Welcome to this week's episode of Carpe Noctum. With Dylan and Dylan. It has been a busy week. Yeah, uh, for me, not really. For you, Culturally maybe? speaking, it's a busy weekend. It has been. It has been. I mean, you know, one of the one of the questions posed by Rotten Tomatoes this past weekend was if you had to choose between watching Avengers Endgame and uh, last night's Game of Thrones, you can only watch one this weekend. That is... Okay, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so that's an easy... Well, sure, yeah. I'm easy sure one for, for you, Endgame. yeah. I, I, I've, I was very difficult for me. It's understandable. Um, I know people love Game of Thrones. I've heard it's amazing. Yeah. I, I need to watch it. I think I ended day. up picking Endgame. Like, I, I would give that up. But I watched Endgame Thursday. You Thursday said you, night premiere, you, so, so. you, so you're saying you would watch Game of Thrones and give up Endgame? Yeah. Okay. For the weekend, if I had to do that. Okay. Now, permanently, I don't know. Probably the same. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, Game of Thrones has been a long time, but Avengers is like the culmination of like all comic book nerds and like everything that they want it's been what 10 11 years now in the making this one movie yeah with 18 22 is 22 movies now 22 oh my gosh 22 movies to get to this point 22 movies and each movie is certified fresh on rotten tomatoes yeah no they're all highly rated there's no awful movie no there there are some that aren't that great yeah like the iron man threes not the great the first thor's pretty forgettable some of the earlier movies were kind of rocky i feel like the first uh, some people hate me for saying this i did not like captain america the first one i didn't either i didn't i Uh, thought it was okay winter soldier i thought was great winter soldier civil war was great but winter soldier i think is my favorite one it's one of my favorites it's very good. good it's really really good yeah yeah, even I know, and I know, Game of people are like, oh, Game of Thrones. It's been what is it, season eight? No, oh, season eight. I mean, books have been out for quite a while now. You could have read yes. up to that point. Like, yeah, but still, I mean, you know, there's it's, been it, some differences with the show and the books. Well, that's because Martin stopped writing. He had no true. reason to finish the books. He was just swimming in cash. Well, didn't he also? He stopped working on the show at some point. Too. Probably. Yeah, I, I think he stopped caring. He's like, I, oh, I, I got enough season. money. I'm good. He might now. Who knows? Either way, though, uh, exciting weekend. What, oh, yeah. So, did you see it? I have not seen it. I'm seeing it. What? Okay, this is a story, kind of. Uh, so, I have a friend, and, like, uh, me, her and, her, and her husband had gone and seen uh, Infinity War together at the IMAX in Warren. She was like, oh, we need like we need to do that again. I was like, yes, we absolutely do. She's like, okay, I'll look at tickets and everything. Okay. I was like, cool. Get tickets and, like, set this whole thing up. Didn't ever actually get tickets. And she was like, hey, let's go see it about... Wednesday, and I was like, "Yeah, it's sold out." Yeah, we're not. I was like, "We're not getting in." Yeah. And then she, and then she texted me. She's like, "Hey, are you still down to see it with uh, Garrett and I?" I was like, "Yes, I am." I was like, "Good luck getting tickets, though." I was like, uh, "I was like, oh, also invite our our other friend because she'll want to go as well." She's like, "Okay, cool." Uh, And then another friend texted me. He was like in this like friend group. He's like, he texted me and her husband. I was like, "Hey, you guys get down if we can grab tickets. We guys want to see Endgame Sunday night." And Garrett, who's married to the lady who's supposed to send this whole thing up, and I don't know, let me check with Deborah. I think we're busy Sunday. And then the other friend texts back, all right, how about Monday? I honestly, I, I saw what was going on. It was just a mismatch of communication everywhere. Also, later found out that uh, my friend had told my other friend that I was the one setting this whole thing up. Oh. And so I said, F it, I'm going to set this whole thing up and have corralled them all to go see it Friday at the Warren uh, and more in IMAX. 
All right. Well, so I'm seeing it Friday. So that's why I didn't see it this weekend. Well, that's a real shame because I wanted yeah. I wanted to talk about we it. We can talk about it next week, but okay. it's going to be a bit late, but we can't talk fine. we can't we'll talk, talk about the fact that it has made I don't know if you've seen this this the stats for how much it's made yet. 1.2 billion dollars. 1.2 billion dollars in 3 days. Yep. It is the 18th highest grossing film of all time after 3 days. Yep. That's after the first weekend. Yeah, I have I have never seen the theater so packed for a Thursday night premiere. Oh when no. I was there Thursday. I, think I mean they they had like Star Wars episode 7 probably. Maybe I don't know. That one, that one might have been, but they had this a, one. They had a bunch of theaters. They were all like starting around the same time. Each theater was packed to the max. It was insane. I was looking at times, and it was like the standard times. It was like uh, for like a regular day, it was like ten o'clock, ten ten, ten twenty, ten thirty, ten forty, ten fifty. It was like thirty different times. I was yep. like, they have to be like pulling out like almost all their theaters for this yep. one movie. But they were all packed. <laughs> I know, like, this thing, like, they sold out. It was probably one of the when best I, weekends for theaters as well. When I left the theaters between, like, 9 or 10, 9 and 10, uh, the entire parking lot was filled all the way to the back. I mean, it, it was it was packed. It was oh, I'm, yeah. It was crazy. I, I'm, I am so excited to see it in IMAX on, I, on Friday. I really wanted to talk about it, and I didn't care. I was going to spoil whatever. I, you know, we put in spoiler alerts, but I was going to spoil the shit out of it because I have a strong love-hate relationship with it. Overall, okay. I really enjoyed it, but there is a major, there's some major issues I have with it. Like okay, well, don't. Significant. Okay, well, cal- let's calm down. Like, it pisses me off. We will talk about it. Next time uh-huh. on Carpe Noctum, because uh-huh. I will just quit if you spoil any. I any won't part of spoil show. anything. I will just, just flat I out quit. I won't spoil, but so so uh, fun story about spoilers. So Saturday night, me and my friend went mini golfing at Bricktown, and afterwards we went and ate at uh, Waffle Champ and then headed over to Insomniac Cookies because I was like, oh, I really want a cookie. As we're standing in line to get for Insomniac Cookies, the couple ahead of us, like me and him, were talking. I heard. Them discussing something, I went. Oh, they're talking about Endgame. Immediately stuck my fingers oh, in my God. ears and started going da 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 da. The couple behind us were like, "Oh, are they spo- are they talking about Endgame?" I went, "Yeah." I'm like, "Oh, like we'll talk to you guys. We'll we'll keep we'll, we'll try to keep up the noise so you don't hear what they're saying." <laughs> Appreciative of them. They they had just come out of the movie as well. They really enjoyed it. So I am <sighs> so excited to see it. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to see it. Well, just think if you had been on top of it, you could have already seen it by now. I know. Well, no, if my friend had been on top of it, I could have seen it by now. Yeah, whatever. Blame other people. I am because it wasn't my fault. Well, uh, have you watched any Game of Thrones? I've seen the first episode. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, I know, like, I know kind of enough about it a little bit, like here and there. Okay. Well, uh, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm huge in the fantasy genre. I just get my fantasy fix other places. Well, I mean, I don't have anything else to say about it other than it was a fantastic episode. I mean, if you want to spoil it, just like I don't have out. anything. No, I don't have anything else to say. No, that's it. Just it, it was, was good. It was fantastic. <laughs> I'm not heated about it the way I am about Avengers. Okay. But, but okay. I need. Let me just say one thing. It's not a spoiler, okay. but there is. Maybe you even have heard about it. There's a certain trope in. Endgame. I don't want to hear that. I don't even want to hear that. Like, I don't want to hear about tropes. I don't want to hear about nothing. I want it to go injures me. It nope. wounds okay. me. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. It wounds me in the way... So, one of the greatest trilogies he's ever made, certainly superhero genre, was the Dark Knight trilogy. And oh, yeah. first, Batman Begins, groundbreaking, you know, Dark Knight... Wow, incredible. Arguably probably the best one of the best superhero movies yeah, ever made. Absolutely. If not the best. And then the third one, it ends with... 
the time bomb that needs to get far enough away from the city. You know, that's how it ends. Such such a monumental trilogy ends with something so mundane. Something that Yeah, has been nuclear so bomb in, in New York City. Or not New York City, Gotham. In Pittsburgh. And they get it away, yada yada, city saved. That was just like, to me, a kind of a crappy way to end. Such a no, monumental I, trilogy. I agree. I was just like, hmm... And, and there's kind of lackluster. It's not quite that same way, but there is that similar type of, of trope in Endgame that just makes me roll my eyes and think, really, this is how it's ending. But that's just me. Some people, whenever I watched a couple of review videos, they were like, oh, it's so easy to forgive. I'm like, no, it's not. Not for me. Maybe for you guys, <laughs> but not for me. I can't just look past this. I think it's nonsense. But whatever. We'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about it next week. So... As far as Game of Thrones, so my parents, back to Game of Thrones. So my parents are very, not like prudish, but they don't like sexual content, like their like shows and movies as much. Uh-huh. Like they try to kind of avoid that stuff. And with Game of Thrones being how big it is, my dad texted me the other day. And was like, hey, me and your mother are going to try out Game of Thrones. What do y'all oh, think? Oh, Lord. Immediately, we have, so we have a, that, that was a group text for like my immediate family. So my brother, me, my sister, my parents were in it. Right. And we also have a, like a kids text chat right. where it's just me, my brother, and, and my, my sister. My brother immediately went in that text and uh-huh. please, someone tell them not to watch it. I don't uh-huh. want to hear about this. And I went, no. Let's see how this plays out. So I texted my dad back, I don't know. I haven't watched it. And then just let it go from there. Oh, and I went, boy. okay. I get it. I wake up the next morning. It's one of the best texts I've ever seen from my dad in my entire life. <laughs> uh, he, just sent, he just sent me. Let me actually grab it real quick. He says... Don't watch Game of Thrones. It's filth. <laughs> yes. I, I laughed so hard oh when I woke up God. in the morning. Because I woke up, I turned around my bed, saw that I had to text my dad, and oh, this will be good. Don't watch the Game of Thrones. Oh it's God. filth. So I, I have some friends who uh, are just getting into it right now. Um, I don't, I don't know why this late, uh, but they're, they're doing it and they're, you know, moving at a pretty fast pace. They might get there by the last episode, but that was something that we've talked about a lot. Uh, the sexual nature of the show, um, and especially like during the more, like some of the more graphic, uh, sex scenes and just like the role that those play. And I'm, I'm always, I'm always quick to defend that. Um, given the nature of what Game of Thrones is about. Uh, some of them think, and a lot of people think, uh, even I used to before I really watched it, that it's just there to you know, entice the audience and yada yada. And I understand that argument, and I do think there are shows like that. But I think in Game of Thrones, it plays a purpose. Uh, and it's not just sex for the sake of sex. You know, There is more to it than that. Um, and being on a premium network like HBO, given that they can show what they want to show, they take liberty and do that. You know, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I think it plays a powerful role. Uh, but I understand that, the, that there are those people that can't watch it, you know, you know, and that so be it. You know, I understand that. I don't... So since I can't speak to that like either way, whether it's meaningful or not, since I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to try to, that is one of the things that's kind of kept me from watching a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm alright with, like, sex scenes, but from what it sounds like, there's, like, there's a gratuitous amount in Game of Thrones. Especially, especially in the at early, first, yeah, yeah. yeah. It definitely tones out. Okay. It, t- it tones down. 
Because like I'm all right with it. I'm just it's just not my favorite thing to see in like movies, especially to just like an exorbitant yeah. amount. Oh, I remember. I once tried to get you to watch Ray Donovan, and you couldn't go through the first season because there was too much sex. You gave me the DVDs back. You remember that? I do. Yeah, I might try it again. There wasn't, gave, and that was that's nowhere near. Yeah, I've changed. <laughs> I like I've upped my ante, so I'd probably be all right with that. Right. It's just I'm. Mm, I don't know. I think I just like my sex to be less. I guess I don't know how they. The hell is that? I don't mean? even know what that means. You just like, like your, your shows to be more tame. I don't like it when they tend to like revolve around like this sexual nature. I guess. Or, like, no, always have, like, this, like, that. sexual, like, tension or, like, nature within the show. No, I get that. Yeah, I mean, I think if it's not playing a role, then it's it's normally just waste. It's normally just not something that matters much. Like, in Ray Donovan, it, Ray's, the way he addresses sex and his sexuality, and especially the way it coincides with his rage, that speaks a lot to his character uh, and his character development. Uh, some of the characters in Game of Thrones, the way that they use sex, especially like Littlefinger, the prostitute uh, or the uh, uh, whorehouse owner, like that guy is just like totally insane. Uh, but then there are, there are shows I, I don't necessarily want to call out Family Guy because most of the time even their nudity is for like humor's sake. Yeah. But even still, it's, it's sometimes very, that's just, crude. just yeah. yeah. Sometimes even that's like pushing the the boundaries yeah. of just what's because you can do drama very very well without having yeah. you know it revolve around sex like you know breaking bad ozarks madman madman i think there there are like two shows that i point out that had sex as as an important role without being super in your face in your face about it. You know, yeah. and they were on networks that didn't allow it you know and madman and the good wife for those two shows yeah because they were provocative and they were sexy and sex definitely played a significant role but there you know there wasn't nudity it wasn't in your face it wasn't disgusting it wasn't so you know it it was a lot more subtle uh but still provocative enough that it made its point yeah you know where sometimes shows don't really know what their point is or maybe they don't even have a point at all so they're just Showing it to you. I think Westworld did a really good job of this, where they had... Because they showed nudity. It was a lot of nudity. Yeah. But it did it in a way to show that, like, they would do scenes where just a person sitting on a chair, just completely naked. Just yeah. to One of the even hosts. bring out the fact that these are just robots. They don't matter. Yeah. It's just a robot. Who cares? Like, yeah. there's nothing... Which which I think is funny, because the, the previews back before Westworld ever aired, I thought it was going to be super bad. I thought it was going to be like Game of Thrones. I did too. Because the, the way that too. their previews made it look like, that's... But it really, it was actually a lot more tame than I yeah. thought it would be. There was one orgy scene which was kind of weird. That one was weird. Uh, but other than that, yeah, there was a, there was like, there's a lot of nudity, but it's not in a sexual nature. Yeah. Which is interesting. You don't, you rarely see that. Yeah. Ever. But I thought it was brilliant just to like bring out the fact even more that these are not human beings. Yeah. So I thought that was really well done from Westworld. One one last thing about uh, Game of Thrones before, well, you know, we can move on to something else. Uh, I we we all kind of like know to some extent like how powerful a role like music can play in a show or in a movie sets a tone, sets a scene, whatever. And some of the best TV show soundtracks have been you know HBO shows, Westworld, 
amazing. Oh, I, the intro uh, song with the piano yeah. is beautiful. And the same composer, Raman Jawadi, who composed Westworld, also composed Game of Thrones. I and that. last night, last night's episode, I mean, just the entire show, the entire episode, the music was just so powerful and moving. And there was like this, it, towards the end, and like towards the end of the battle scene, there was this part where everything kind of like faded out and there wasn't a lot of audible noise, but there was still like the piano and the symphony playing. And it, it just created such uh, an amazing scene. Um, and I was, I was thinking about that a lot because like obviously having watched Game of Thrones, I was thinking about it a lot. But uh, also, I wouldn't say it's quite on the same level, but like Avengers, the Avengers theme... When they're gearing up for battle, and it's a pretty iconic theme yeah, at this point. Yeah, their theme with that blare in the background <laughs> as they're gearing up as the Avengers are assembling. Jesus oh, yeah. Christ! You know it gives you goosebumps. You know it's powerful. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, and this is the old ones too. Like Indiana Jones. That's a that's a great one. I yeah. love you because you're just like I'm going on an adventure. And James Bond, man. James Bond. James Bond uh, theme. Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. Very very good soundtracks. Yeah. My, my friend at his wedding, he. Uh, like whatever that theme was in the Shire, he played that uh, when they were walking down the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I thought it was great, uh, but yeah, you know, it's. Uh, oh, you need to play the Indiana Jones. Da, 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 da. I'll go ahead and just put that in on this episode. No, that's a good idea. Free. Oh, hopefully, we won't get copyrighted. <laughs> Well, it's fair use. We're it's talking fair. about it. That's true. We're talking about the Andrew Jones theme. We're yeah. having any comment on it. We are we are providing much, commentary. Much, much like how Family Guy did that on Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a clip of that recently. And he's was... like, oh, the commentary here is that Mickey Mouse, Mouse hates, hates Jews. Jews. <laughs> That's our commentary. Mickey Mouse hates Jews. Uh, Walt Disney was a raging anti-Semite. <laughs> <laughs> you killed him? That was not me. Someone else got to him first. Break, Jew mouse! Ha-ha! Hi, I'm Peter Griffin. Under parody law, in order to use someone else's character in an unlicensed fashion, we have to provide something called commentary. The commentary here is that Mickey Mouse hates Jews. Now, let's see what else this new nanny has up her sleeve. Oh, I thought that was hilarious. <sighs> okay, so the next thing I want to talk about. This is like, uh, a la My Favorite Murder podcast. Have you ever listened to that? I want to say I have. It's... Honestly, it's a it's it's a podcast that kind of gives me hope that we'll make it big one day because their their production value is pretty low key. It's not some giant production like NPR. Like you can tell, these are like professionally generated yeah shows. This a lot one, of them it's kind of like you know a mic, two mics, and people having a discussion. Now, theirs is probably a little bit more centered a little bit more uh, <laughs> a little more on topic yeah than than ours ever are but you know yeah. nonetheless you know it's not some it's not npr level you know yeah. and yet they have a so, huge i just want to because i think i have because it's uh two women that just talk they bring up a murder or a yeah a murder investigation from like the past or present and just mm-hmm. like discuss it yeah oh, um, yes i have i've listened to i think one episode of them sometimes they're mass shootings sometimes they're cold cases sometimes they are solved cases, you know. Yeah. It almost it always involves uh, like uh, just a really creepy murder or a serial killer or something like that. It's it's an enjoyable podcast. I've not only really listened to a few episodes, but hmm. um, it's it's good. But what I was uh, thinking this last week, I, I learned about something called, and this is true, the absinthe murders. 
Ooh, yes. that sounds interesting. And and I so and the the reason why I was thinking about this past week, the other day I bought a bottle of absinthe. And for anyone who doesn't know, absinthe is like super crazy high ABV alcohol. Uh, it's it's classified depending on who you ask as a liqueur spirit. Even isn't de- it more like a drug than an alcohol? No, and we're talking about that in a second. It's that's what not, I've heard. Like it's, it's not a drug. When I hear like absinthe or Everclear, it's never like. It's not a drug. People say it, people, but that's something I want to talk about. Okay. Because um, it never seems like it's a normal drunk that you get on absinthe well, or Everclear. I mean, well, part of that is because it's, you know, the average uh, absinthe is like 60 or 70% alcohol. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, it's, you know, it's it's not for the, the weak at heart. But, uh Barely, barely for the stronger yeah, heart. It's barely for any human being. It, it, nothing, anything short of like a, a your your gas tank. Uh, it sounds more like someone car. was like, I wonder how much alcohol I can put in me without dying. Yeah. And absinthe was born. So, do you remember? Just side note. Do you remember that movie Lawless with Shia LaBeouf and Tom Hardy? Pretty forgettable. But it was about mm. like some bootleggers and like the West Virginia. Oh, I remember seeing it. But I just yeah. didn't care to see it. It was all right. It wasn't. It was nowhere near as good as I think everyone wanted it to be. But uh, what this one scene when they're trying to escape from the cops, they run out of gas, and they literally pour moonshine into the <laughs> gas tank, and it actually works, and they drive away. They're yeah, to no, like that stuff had such yeah. high alcohol yeah. content. Uh, that that just reminds me of this. Anyway, uh, so absinthe is a. Uh, it's like it's a neutral spirit that is like distilled and infused with botanicals and, and herbs, and it typically has like a fennel taste to it, as well as some other herbs. Uh, and it is traditionally green in color, although sometimes it's clear. Uh, and it originated in Switzerland, but I, you know, more so than not, really became more popular from being consumed in Paris. Uh, especially, or, well, in France in general, especially since, uh, in, like, the 17 or 1800s, when they were having, like, a grape shortage because of some, like, uh... Famine? It it was some kind of, like, disease that was affecting all the grape plants. I think it's called a blight. Whatever it is, yeah. They were running out of stuff, so they had to turn to something else, and absinthe was there. It has been portrayed as being a dangerously, quote-unquote, dangerously addictive, psycho psychoactive drug. And that is because there's this chemical compound in it called like, thujone. I don't really know how to pronounce no it. But it's like trace amounts. And that is from the, uh, the wormwood that is used in the creation of the drink. But it was banned it was because of this kind of fear about it it was banned in like 1915 throughout europe and the united states uh and it was only in the 90s uh once the european union uh created some new like food and beverage laws that it kind of came out of the woodworks people started they were allowed to make it again and uh the prohibition on it ended here in the u.s only in 2007 really yeah it was only back. It was only twelve years ago that it finally ended. Um, I, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it really wasn't that long ago. But that brings us to uh, the man, the, the myth, myth, the legend. Oh, uh, the well, the, the he's he's he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's a you know he's a dishonorable at best. But uh, 
He, his name is Jean Lanfray. Ah, he uh, would be French. Yes, he was French by birth, but living in Switzerland. <laughs> All right. <laughs> in didn't see that twist. August of 1905, he was convicted of murdering his pregnant wife. Oh, my. And his two children. Holy crap. In a drunken rage. And uh, it was later revealed that that day, earlier that day, he had drank an excessive amount of wine and liquor. Among that was about two ounces of absinthe. Hmm. Now, because of the moral panic that was surrounding absinthe at the time, these murders, which became known as the absinthe murders, were were picked up and essentially used as as propaganda to have absinthe outlawed. Despite the fact that they are, you know, a fraction of the fraction of everything he had drank that day, they focused on the absinthe and said, this man drank absinthe and killed his family. So clearly absinthe must be banned. And uh, in 1908, a constitutional referendum led to absinthe being banned in all of Switzerland and was eventually it was eventually banned in most of Europe before the outbreak of World War One. Hmm. So uh, there were a lot of prohibitionists and uh, social conservatives who, you know, along with pushing just like general prohibition laws, were focusing specifically on absinthe because absinthe has such a high level of alcohol. And it seemed to be like, you know, normal alcohol is bad enough for you. Absinthe is like literally like yeah. the devil's piss. Like it's horrible <laughs> for you. Um, but uh, what, what I thought was interesting uh, is that of, of... So, okay, so it actually does say here. So during lunch, of all things, uh, Lonfray consumed seven glasses of wine, six glasses of cognac. That's a lot. One coffee laced with brandy. Oh my! Two creme de menthe uh, and two glasses of absinthe. So he probably you know drank it. That's you know, a just lot. Of, that's a each. lot of alcohol. Yeah, and it was after eating a sandwich. So he you know he had a sandwich with it. It wasn't a fully empty stomach. <laughs> he returned home drunk with his father and drank another coffee with brandy. He then got into an argument with his wife and uh, he asked his wife to polish polish his shoes for him. She refused, and Lofrey retreated to a, uh, re- retrieved a rifle and shot her in the head and killed her. Um, his father ran away. His four-year-old daughter heard the noise and ran into the room, and Lofrey shot and killed her as well and their two-year-old daughter. He then shot himself in the jaw, uh, but he didn't die. He was uh, taken to the hospital, arrested, charged, put on trial for murder, and then he, uh, you know, a few days later, uh, well, a few days after his trial ended in February 1906, he committed suicide by hanging himself in his cell. So, uh, quite an end to what would become... Known as the absinthe murders. Yes, very, very infamous uh, murder. I, I just think it's funny that... The pro- the way it was like picked up and just used as propaganda. I mean, uh, it's I'm kind not... of a horrible tragedy. <laughs> it is, but politicians do that all the time. That's that's nothing. Well, sure. No, that's nothing. That's nothing new. new. That, 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 that happens all the time. Look at America with the Patriot Act. Look at any other country. Sure. They will have New Zealand just recently with the uh, the Christchurch shooting immediately passed uh, anti gun legislation like two days later. Yeah, it's it. 
politicians do this all the time, where they, they take a tragedy, hype it up, or not not knowing that hype it up, but use it to emotionally incentivize people in a way to allow them to push a certain legislation. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're you're not wrong, but still, just all of that that he drank and just like a little bit of absinthe. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like absinthe. Never had it. No. Don't, don't never, don't, I think I'm good. Well, you know, here's, so here's... One, I'm not I much for know, alcohol. I don't know, I, I don't know if this is the real way to drink it or not. One of the common ways, it's supposedly a more American way to drink it. I don't know if that's true. Uh, but supposedly, one of the more American ways to drink it is to uh, use an absinthe spoon, which is basically like a grated spoon. You place it over the glass. You put, um... You put some absinthe in the glass. You put the sugar on top, like a sugar cube. Uh, usually it's like a pretty specific type of sugar, too. You put it on top of the cube and slowly drip some water over the cube so it, it breaks apart. It falls into the absinthe. It waters it down and sweetens it a little bit. I think it's like three or four parts water to the amount of absinthe, and then you drink it. So, it, you know, even though it's at like 60 or 70%, you, you don't end up... It. You you dilute it enough where it's not you're not consuming it at that. However, many people also just drink it straight because it usually is like sweet enough to just drink straight. Jeez. Yeah, but it is. It's very strong. Uh, when, yeah. When I drank it the other day, you know, I had diluted it. It's it was funny. There was very little burn, but like you could still like feel like the heat. <laughs> you could oh still God. feel the alcohol. You know. <laughs> And and that and that was was funny because normally with you know higher alcohol like that you're, gonna, burn. you're gonna feel that burn but there like there wasn't much burn it was just heat not a burn but heat still you know uh-huh. you know I don't know how to say I don't that. think I want to drink this but it was good though I mean you should you should try it uh, this reminds me there's a there's a video I want to show you and it has to do it's one of the best uh, blackout stories I've ever heard and it, it involves Everclear. One of, those okay. other, one of those other crazy alcohols. I, yeah, I would love to hear this. Okay. It's pretty dang funny. So we got uh, a... I guess it was my 21st birthday. I don't remember this at all. Um, we did a really dumb thing when we were younger. We did a really dumb thing, and we ran out on a bar bill. And it's like, oh. the next day, I would have gone back and paid it anyway. Like, we literally, like, bolted out of there and ran and jumped in a van and drove away. Um, but it didn't matter. I didn't have to go back and pay it anyway because my friend like literally left his wallet at our table, <laughs> and so oh, they no. just charged. They just charged the you know the whole tab, which was probably like thirty or forty bucks, and then they gave themselves a hundred percent. And of course, nobody argued it. That's literally the only time in my life that I I have I blacked out, or at least the longest amount of time. Um, was we went to no. we went, Wait, I, I've never passed out I've never I've never been knocked out and I've never passed out and I'm sure that I have like gaps in my memory that are like half an hour or something yeah. this was a solid 12 hours and it's crazy the way it works in my memory because we were at baby Acapulco's where they serve margaritas and yeah. I was tw- I was 21 they're not just margaritas uh, baby A's is the uh, Everclear margaritas oh, they don't they're, use tequila. Un- they're so great yeah it's genius yeah it's so and they're so big. lazy yeah. they're like this big like, like like a little small fish bowl like a betta fish or something like that and uh, there was a bunch of us at the table like eight of us the guy next to me was the driver so he's not drinking he never drank and uh, so they go around the order and they order blue margaritas and she's like okay and then the guy next to me goes I'm not drinking give me give mine to him 
She goes, I can't do that. I can't serve two blue margaritas to people. And he's like, okay, then I'll have one. Then she oh. serves them to everybody, and he just takes it and shoves it over to me. And she <laughs> watches that, and she goes, <sighs> she goes, okay. She goes, but I'm just going to warn you, be careful. These are creepers. And I go, creepers, what does that mean? She goes, that means they sneak up on you. I wake up the next morning. Like literally, <laughs> that's, that's, literally that's, that's the way it works in my memory. It's just like that conversation clear as day. She goes, and she's looking at me and she says, it means they sneak up on you. And then I, I'm awake. I get did this you, image did you of you. yourself when you woke up? What? Did you inspect yourself when you? Well, it's just like a scene from Memento. He's like in the mirror. And <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, don't trust the blue. <laughs> They'll uh, creep up the on girl, you. Yeah, right. Yeah, I asked him what's in the purple Rita. Yeah. And everyone kind of knows it's ever clear. But I asked the, the waitress and she was like, oh, well, it, no one knows. The owner makes it in the back room. It's uh -huh. a. A secret you just imagine tub. there's just like a guy smoking in the back pouring <laughs> ever clear in this yeah. giant tub <laughs> so that's one of my that's my favorite stories you know, like the way he tells it to you is so good so i'm i'm looking at the Everclear wikipedia page i so they make a 60 75.5 and a 95 percent alcohol uh Everclear. Lord. The 190 proof is prohibited in some <laughs> states. <laughs> yeah, you could probably die from that really yeah. easily. I mean, if I if I understand um, if I understand how absinthe works, like because I because I've seen uh, and almost bought like a making home absinthe kit. Um, you use Everclear because it's you know a neutral green spirit, and then you infuse. Uh, the herbs into the Everclear for, you know, however long you want, not so, too long. And then you have absinthe. So absinthe, which is what you said, like 75%? Well, some, some, the lowest I saw, and they might be lower, but the lowest I saw was 50. The highest I saw was mid-70s. So absinthe is watered down Everclear, basically. If you get the 95%, <laughs> yeah. That is, that is insane. 95. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I guess like you would have to mix that with something. Like, do people just drink that straight? Everclear? Yeah. Or Everclear. Well, I couldn't imagine drinking it straight. I it probably is. It probably doesn't taste very. Good. It probably doesn't taste like much of anything. It just tastes like straight alcohol, like Germex. Like, Ugh. like that's that's. <laughs> I couldn't imagine it tasting like much else. So yeah, they probably do like margaritas oh or goodness. something like that. I think rum is like rum and rum or whiskey is like the highest alcohol content drink I've ever had. Yeah, I think besides absinthe. So the, so there was this moonshine my friend had made. I didn't, you know, it didn't have a label on it. So I didn't know Ooh. what it was. And that was probably very mm. high. But of of what I've had that I know of, uh, there was a maker's mark that was like 47. And that, that, besides the absinthe that I recently bought, was the highest I had ever had. But, I mean, I it's good. I think it's, you know, it's worth trying once. You know, maybe maybe next week. Maybe next week I'll try some we're at my place. We'll do it live. As Bill O'Reilly <laughs> says, we'll do it live. Fuck it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. <laughs> we'll have some absinthe next week, guys. You won't want to miss it. Oh, boy. And then we'll forget a week from now and not do it. <laughs>
Cause oh no, that's, that's what I'll we do. Remember. Oh yeah, I'll remember. I can do, I can do some abs. I can do some absinthe. I can drink some absinthe. Do some absinthe. <laughs> yeah, man. And then we can talk about Endgame. Yeah. Complete, complete with spoilers. All the spoilers. Yeah. We'll start with the ending and work backwards. I am about it. We'll start with the ending and work backwards. How about that? That's fine. Well, uh, never mind. I won't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Trying to think what's happened in my week. Or just like per like person we don't do a whole lot of personal stuff. Uh well while you're thinking, real quick, this is just a small aside. Okay. I was gonna talk about this last week. George Zimmerman, everyone remembers oh, yeah. him from shooting Trayvon Martin in Florida. Trayvon Martin uh, or no wow, George Zimmerman got banned from Tinder. <laughs> I I last week <laughs> I I uh Yep. It's I don't like the headlines these days are just a joke. I don't understand what times we're living in. Life is entertaining. This is the darkest timeline. Uh, anyway, what are you thinking about? How the onion is slowly turning into real news. Isn't it great? It's so bizarre. Could you imagine if you went to like the people that created the onion and be like, "Hey, come 2017, 2018, 2019." People are going to think your headlines, like real news stories are going to happen that you would only think could come from the Onion. And people are going to think they're fake, yeah. but they're going to be real. Like Mussolini's granddaughter getting in a Twitter war with, who is it? Uh, Jim I Carrey? I don't remember it. What? What is that <laughs> I headline? remember that. I remember well, that. that. And there was another one that was just like absurd. Yeah. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> uh, I was listening to a podcast that I didn't finish it unfortunately i got kind of busy and didn't get to finish it uh there's a podcast listened to pretty frequently called stuff to blow your mind oh yeah it's fantastic it's fantastic yeah and they were talking today about one about stories and apparently there's a philosopher out there who wrote a book recently who thinks that stories have done more harm to humankind than good stories stories i feel like Brene brown would have a lot to say about i think a lot of people have a lot would have a lot to say about that uh Okay. Uh, one, so, like one. So he's not the first person to think this, though. Plato uh, also had this idea. He hated poetry. He thought poetry was illogical and it um, fed on the emotional side of things and did not let people logically think things out. Well, I think we can. And, and that was in his Republic. I think we can all agree. You know, poetry is kind of ridiculous. It's not. It is. It's not fluent English. It's just a bunch of. Random structure. I, I think poetry nowadays words. is a lot different than Plato's poetry, though. That's probably true. But I still, think his you know. his poetry was, was much more. I think a lot more of stories as well. Our our poetry today is much different than his. Um, yes, that's probably true. Nonetheless, I vehemently disagree. I love my stories. Yes. Um. Something. Uh... I should have waited. Yeah, I don't know why you ate that in the middle of a podcast. I was wondering what you were doing. I got hungry. Um, you just ate a, a chocolate kiss <laughs> while we're trying to talk. Uh, whatever. Anyway, um, so one of the things, one of my favorite things that I learned while reading uh, Brene Brown's Rising Strong, her book Rising Strong, 
Uh, very great book. If you haven't listened to her TED Talks, you absolutely should. Uh, Renee Brown is a researcher and licensed uh, clinical social worker out of the University of Houston. Uh, she actually has a new Netflix special, which I am looking forward to, to watching. But one of the things she talks about, she, she whenever she talks about like who she is and like what her job is, she says she's like a researcher storyteller. And one of the things... Uh, one of the reasons she says that is because, like, for all the hard data and research that she requires, uh, acquires, uh, one of the best ways to build relationships uh, and to build humility and to uh, vocalize that data is through storytelling. And all the research done uh, into storytelling kind of shows that storytelling is actually good for human beings, scientifically speaking. The way... Uh, the chemicals that are released in our brain whenever we read a story, when we experience a beginning, middle, and end, uh, and the connections that we build are arguably uh, foundational to human connection and to uh, our biological makeup. And, and I thought that, you know, that was a very interesting reading and, and learning about. And so when I hear that, I struggle to pay much mind to a philosopher who simply has the opinion that stories are bad. Because according to scientifically backed research and not philosophical mutterings, storytelling is good. Now, the quality of those stories matters, sure. Obviously. And, you know... There's some, tra- there's some trash garbage Absolutely. out there. And I would... Look you know, at you, YA. I would listen... To what he has to say, but like right off the bat, I'm I'm already considering his premise nonsense. Yeah, which one one of the reasons I like the podcast is because one of the one of the guys directing me, he's like, first of all, vehemently disagree. He's like, we're gonna we're gonna work through his arguments and see what he right. says, which and then is great. Discuss yeah. it. So that was appreciative. And maybe I'll, it's is that like a recent episode. Yes, okay. I think it's like yeah. within the last five or so maybe i'll listen to it yeah and there was there was another research that came out recently that actually stated that people who read fiction have a tend to tend to be more empathetic right yeah i've I've read that yeah so and also because i i don't know about the reason but i think it's because it allows you to see the world through a different perspective someone else's definitely idea of like how how they get through something yeah without a doubt even if it's like the fantasy, you know, Lord of the Rings or anything like that. Like, there's still elements yeah. of that. Even that, with that, Lord of the Rings being as, as fantastical as it was, uh, I mean, it's the greatest story of friendship ever. I think I've stayed on that, this, on that show so many times. I, mean, uh, <laughs> I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Such a well-written series. But, uh, so what, what, if you would, like, bullet point, like, super, like, maybe insultingly bullet point his, his, his argument? What is it? Uh, so... From what I remember, I didn't get through the whole episode. I think I got about halfway through. It's the idea that these some of these stories reinforce like behaviors and beliefs that aren't necessarily positive to uh, society. So, sure. like one of the ideas is uh, one of the examples was Dante's Inferno, where the idea was that everyone's just going to hell, or the idea that you know your actions, no matter what you do, are just going to send you there. This like negative ideology of no matter what I do, nothing in the end, it doesn't matter or at the end, I'm just going to hell anyway. So why not? Um, other stories similar to that, where they, 
he argued that a lot of these stories or positions are argued or shown through an emotional base and not a logical base. And people, we kind of tend to default to emotional. A lot of people do. Sure. Uh, where we hear a story or whatnot, and we don't, we tend to take the emotional side over the logical side, and right. that can kind of twist or create negative side effects of that story. Right. Which isn't necessarily wrong, but I, th- yeah. but I don't think it is a good enough argument to say that stories are bad. Yeah. Especially given, like, certain stories whether they're books or tv shows or movies the content is certainly negative and sometimes that's the point you know such as with you know something i always talk about with Mad Men, it's not to glorify their behavior despite how glamorous it is it's really to show you how much you don't want to be like some of these characters you know and i would imagine i would, I would argue that uh, wolf of wall street was like that you know, some people argue that it, like, glorified Jordan Belfort's behavior. I don't think it did. I think by the end, you don't want to be that guy. You know, you don't you don't want to have ripped off all these people, uh, made hundreds of millions of dollars just to wind up a scumbag without a family, you know? So, absolutely, yeah. very negative content. And that's the point. You don't, you don't want to be like these people. It's true. You know? Fortunately, though, it does, that doesn't always come across correctly to some people. That's which, true. Which, is, which, at the same time, it's not the, the writer or the storyteller's fault. Yeah, I don't think that's the storyteller's fault. I think sometimes an audience simply isn't critical enough. Now, sometimes, sure, a storyteller you know, can do better in some way. But still, I still think if, if they have a story that they want to tell a certain way, that's, that's it. Like, full stop right there. That's, that's where your job ends. And the audience being critical and receptive, receptive of that, they need to pick it up from there. And uh, this was an argument I had with, you know, sex in Game of Thrones, is that we were talking about how it's just, oh, you know, these sex scenes are just there to glorify a mostly male audience. And I immediately pushed against that, because I, I don't believe that to be the case even a little bit. And the fact that we were having that discussion was part of like what I was talking about was that it provokes these types of conversations that a critical audience should be having. And then her argument was, well, sure, but not every audience, not every audience member is going to have these types of critical discussions. That's not our fault. That's not that's we, not the, that's, that's not something not we, can, we can control. If yeah. if that was the case, if we were so worried about that, then much like the philosopher, we wouldn't have these stories. Yeah. We would live in a very boring, very gray world that was i'd say reminiscent of george orwell's 1984 yeah where everything is just strictly controlled as what we can see and watch because we don't want the masses to see or say or hear a certain thing otherwise we're afraid that it might yeah trigger something or change them in a way that is detriment to society yeah i mean i i'm curious i i want to get into this do you remember the philosopher's name Mm-mm. They said it once. I want to, because I want to. I was, I was listening to it as I was working, so I was in and out a little bit. I want to get into. I want to dig in and figure out like why this person thinks this, because I can. I can. You know, I absolutely believe that there's such a thing as like a toxic story or a story that is way more negative than anything positive that could come from it, and like that's a discussion worth having as to whether or not those short stories should be 
mm-hmm. propagated, but to just to just like all out downplay the importance of storytelling, mm-hmm. it just. So I need to finish. It's a two part series actually. They do two uh, hour long, two hour long episodes, mm-hmm. uh, two each. I need to finish them. I'm probably gonna listen to them tomorrow because it is really interesting, and. I think, yeah, so going back to, like, stories, so one of the uh, books I've read within the last two years, I think, I mean, it, you've probably seen it everywhere, it's uh, All the Light We Cannot See. I don't know if you've heard of it, if you read yes, it. Yes, I just started it. Okay, you have. Yeah. Oh. I bought it, I bought it, the, <laughs> yet another book, I bought it the week it came out, because uh, all the reviews, it was, like, the, still the first week, but it, like, had five stars on Amazon, every review talked about how amazing it was. Uh, and I bought it, and then I... Oh, it's it's fantastic. It really I've, I've is. I've only heard it so good. It's, it's The the first like couple paragraphs had me. Yeah. It's just like how beautifully it's written. But I, that's such a great story, because especially in today, uh, where it's so easy to demonize just uh, like any soldier or like, oh, like a Nazi. It's like Nazi Germany. It's so easy to, to, to almost like dehumanize anyone that fought for Germany. And when you read this, it, you get two viewpoints. One, uh, Blind Girl in Paris, and one, oh, I don't remember where he's from, but it was, uh, it was either Austria or German-occupied, where they had German heritage, and he was drafted into, in, into the, the German army during World War II. Right. And you, you see it through his eyes, and he, you realize he's, like, he's not a Nazi. Like he's, well, he's a Nazi, but not in the sense <laughs> that we have come to understand the word. Yeah. He is someone who was born in the wrong place at the wrong time and didn't really have a choice as a boy. I mean, you give, give a boy a choice yeah. of, oh, you're going to die or join the army. Well, you're not going to blame that, that child for joining the army. He doesn't yeah. know what's going on. He doesn't under, understand. All yeah. he knows is, oh, well, this is what I'm supposed to do because this is what I've been told to do, so I'm going to go do it. And like, yeah. then, like years pass and you see kind of how all this develops and you're like, that's just, I mean, it's just a sad story. Yeah. Those kind of conflicting human feelings are, are so difficult to wrestle with because I, I remember just seeing this clip of, uh, or it might have even been a set of gifts, I don't remember, but uh, Eva Braun was uh, filming Adolf Hitler at their their like mountain retreat in the Bavarian mountains um, where he had like, where he had one of his retreats there. It was like a lot of important military decisions were made there. And, uh, like, he's film or she's filming him, and they're laughing, and he's like, you know, why are you filming me? You know, I'm just an old man, you're this beautiful young woman, clearly everyone wants to see you. And it was just like this really, really human moment from what, from someone we regard oh, as, like, one of the most the devil, yeah. in history. We forget that Hitler was a human. There was a that human he, That he was that, kind to some people. Yeah, behind that insidious, horrible philosophy of his... There was a human being, you know. In all reality, he wanted to help the German people. Yeah, he so you know did it in every single. I mean, it was way. it was the worst possible it way. Was horrible, <laughs> <laughs> an all-out you know genocide of an entire people. Yeah, it's hardly it a was good way to help people, but one of the worst things to happen in human history. Yeah. Uh, but he was like he was human, and we all kind of forget that so easily, especially today, yeah. where we just like to call everyone Hitler and a Nazi. Yeah. Which everyone's evil. Everyone's a bigot. Everyone's. I mean, I'm pretty sure there are some Nazis that were better people than the people calling them Nazis of today. I'm sure that that's true. 
Although, you know, you and I have no future in politics just because of Oh, this. no, this conversation has, like, ruined any, yeah. any chance of us getting elected <laughs> ever. I'm completely fine with that. I think I'll live with it. We have. Yeah, all, all we have to do, if I ever run for president, is, like, play the, the podcast that we've done. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, we're just not. Pin it all on me. He thought Hitler was a good guy. Because yeah. you know that not they, what they, I they said. would take oh, that. Yeah. They would take that. They would take the statement, Hitler was also a human. And, Hitler and, was also a human, and some of the Nazis were better people than the other. Than, than, peop, than some people are today. Yeah. Than some people who call people Nazis yeah. were worse than some of the actual Nazis of World War II. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> you want to move on best and worst of the week? Yep, we can move on. We, we can move on best and worst of the week. So I want to end on your worst because oh, it's yeah so okay. Uh, I, I it's only... not as bad as like you think. Okay, well, but it's I... not it's not great. Either way, it's I, my I, worst of the week for sure. I only have a best, um, and you probably heard about it. I think most people did. So, however lethal she is in Congress and any committee that she sits on, we certainly can all Ooh. agree Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is pretty lethal on Twitter. Uh, however, the most important battlefield of 2019. Absolutely. However, uh, she had a bit of a blunder this past week. Say it ain't so. Uh, so the Republican Party of Kentucky tweeted a like a throwback Thursday of uh, a Democrat in Kentucky who was like he's very anti-socialist, and uh, you know he was being like pushed by like the social swing of the party to conform to their radical extremist will. These are the words of the Republican Party of Kentucky, and. So she tweets making fun of the picture of him standing, the, the congressman who is a Democrat, standing next to a cardboard cutout of AOC. She tweets out the kind of like the Twitter trope going around like nobody, you know, says nothing. And then GOP, let's pose our older male members next to cardboard cutouts of young female legislators. The problem with that is that that's a Democrat, <laughs> not a Republican, and not somebody <laughs> even closely uh, in cahoots with the GOP. And I feel like if you read the tweet, you would see that that clearly is not one of their members. It's, it calls him a Democrat, and yet uh, she just saw the picture and decided to tweet, trying to make fun of the GOP, and really she just came across as an airhead. She has since deleted the tweet. I don't know <laughs> if her uh, office ever commented on it. I thought it was That's super hilarious, funny. though. That's so funny. God, I hate Twitter. I don't... She, I mean, because she was really just you... jumping into the identity politics there. Like, old white man Republican posing next to a cardboard cutout of me. Well, actually, no. It's that's, that's old white man, man, but Democrat. Democrat. That, that so, means it's fine. Oh, it's totally yeah, fine. That means it's okay. That means it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. I don't that's understand I why people like. I never see wins on Twitter. I don't ever see like anyone actually win. No, on no Twitter. one. Does. No one. Everyone, everyone just loses. You just lose on Twitter. The only way to win the game is to not play. Yeah, but you know, how else would you get clickbait headlines uh, on BuzzFeed and The Blaze if your respective uh, on, yeah. <laughs> if your respective if, if cohorts if weren't Twitter, tweeting? If Twitter backends, went down, BuzzFeed would probably cease to exist. One could only hope. Oh, boy. Get rid of two of the world's biggest problems. Amen. <laughs> let's get Facebook. Let's get rid of Facebook, and that's top three. Oh, yeah. Honestly, just get rid of Facebook, and that's, like, a lot, just a lot right there. Yeah. Surprise is still around. I should delete mine. No, I haven't yet. 
Maybe this year. Maybe this year I'll, I'll finally work myself up. New year, new you. New year, new me. I hate... All right, whatever. All right. Uh, I'll have to do my best first. Do you have a best? I do have the best. I bought a new mattress. Oh, yeah. I finally bought a queen-size mattress. Yay, He's me. finally an adult, Woo! guys. He's finally an And it'll adult. go on a box spring and not the floor. Woo! Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I bought it from one of those... The, the one of the online stores. Tuft and Needle. A great place. Mm-hmm. I got... The mattress, the box spring, a mattress topper, and one of their super comfy pillows for all around a thousand dollars. Wow! So that's look wow. at me, savvy money spender right wow, here. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, the bed will get in tomorrow. The box spring and pillow topper will get in Thursday, and the pillow will get in Saturday. Uh, pillow takes. A <laughs> I don't understand that one at all, but that's what they said. Well, good. I even have uh, some new sheets and comforter. And all that jazz, all ready to go. Our entire audience is proud of you. Thank you, audience. <laughs> I appreciate We don't thank our audience, our, our 17, 18 oh, shut up. people who listen. Thank you. Literally. Every single one of you. We have listeners in several different countries. We do. Which and like a dozen different states. I don't so. understand the different countries. Doesn't matter. All that, all that matters is that they exist, and we appreciate you. We do appreciate you. <laughs> Let's move on to the best part. What's your worst of the week, Dylan? Uh, don't you have a worst of the week? No, no I, don't. I don't. Oh, okay. I said uh, I don't. <laughs> we're, we're talking about you. So, I am on one of the dating apps. I won't say which one, because I don't need that. Uh, What's that one for cows uh, that we talked about months ago? Heifers only? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty sure cows have better luck on that than I do. Uh, so... I was, so I had matched with a girl a few weeks ago. I had asked her out. I was like, we talked for a little bit, and I asked her to go out that, f- I think, f- Thursday, because the only night that had it open. Mm-hmm. She could not because she uh, was meeting with a friend who just got a promotion, so all of her friends were going out to celebrate. All right, cool. We'll do it next week. She's like, all right, cool. Try to go out next week. Uh, she had forgotten. I was like, all right, can we do Friday? She goes, no, I can't do Friday. That's my birthday, and I'm celebrating that with friends on Friday, and then so-and-so on Saturday. I was like, all right. She's like, I can't do Monday. I was like, all right, cool. It's like, let's go mini-golfing uh, Monday. She's like, okay, cool. It's going to rain today. And I was like, hey, uh, like, it's raining. Would you, like, can we go rock climbing instead? I texted her, like, that Sunday night. Never respond or uh, messaged her, like, Sunday night. Never responded. I was like, I was already having, like, a sinking feeling of, like, I'm, she's just not, this isn't going to happen. She didn't seem like she really wanted to. Right. Then earlier today, around lunchtime, I messaged her. I was like, hey, it's going to be raining tonight. Can we do rock climbing instead at 7 o'clock? Have not heard from her. <laughs> so that was fun. Stood up. Yeah. So, yeah. Poor Dylan. Poor me. Forever alone. Forever alone. Hey, you can join me. Okay. Well, we're going to end there because <laughs> what better note to end on? Than a, just a, a sad piece of man. But hey, I'm getting a queen mattress that I can share by myself. Yeah, you can sleep I, I alone got, in. I just have more loneliness know, now. Exactly. A, a bigger space to be alone and exactly. cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We'll call right. it quits for this week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Carpe Noctum is a production by Amateurs, hosted by Dylan Shoup and Dylan Kiever. Quick thanks to bensound.com for our theme music. Join us again next time.